Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. A perfectly executed lattice-heavy croissant is not something that is ever created by the faint of heart. Stack a few of those croissants next to a whole wheat chocolate chip cookie, a queen amon, a strawberry galette, maybe an egg tart or two, and your eyes are met with none other than Little Tart Bake Shop. Atlanta's Titan Bakery with multi-time James Beard nominee Sarah O'Brien at the helm. And her story, remarkable. What she and her team bring to Atlanta every single day of the week from their bakeries at farmers markets and elsewhere is truly a part of the lifeblood of what makes our city such an incredible place to be an eater croissant in hand. Now, we're getting to Sarah's story in just a moment, but I wanted to mention that there's a good amount of background noise throughout this episode, and Little Tart is growing like crazy, and I had the privilege to catch up with Sarah at her Summerhill location, maybe a week or so before they opened the doors, and it's just an amazing reminder. It is such an honor to sit with these guests in the midst of their crazy schedules. Never a dull moment. Anyways, Here's the wonderful Sarah O'Brien. I've only tried uh, croissant one time at home, mm-hmm. and I believe it was a, um, I mean, my favorite thing that I ever learned how to bake from was tartine bread. Mm-hmm. So you're really shooting for the moon if you're going for Chad Robertson's mm-hmm. croissant. So it wasn't that. I'm pretty sure it was just like King Arthur flour. Yeah. You know, and I'm like making, you know, like this big brick of butter and like dusting with flour, like throwing it in my tiny little freezer and then like it's coming out and like in my head, I've got this beautiful lattice, like when you, when you do the cross section and it looked like absolute shit and I was so disappointed. I was actually really mad. Yeah. They tasted fine because I mean, it's flour and butter, you know, like how's it going to taste bad, but, um, I'll never do it again. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, uh, I don't encourage people to make croissants at home. I, I honestly don't. I mean, I don't make croissants at home, so <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think it's certainly possible to make good croissants by hand, but a sheeter really. Yeah. I think you need a sheeter. Big time. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I uh, I like that. I think that that's that's probably worth a campaign. Mm-hmm. Is uh, don't make croissants at home. Just come buy them at Little Tart. Yeah. We'll do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, no. Honestly, I mean, I I think in, if if you are even a recreational baker, mm-hmm. like I love baking sourdough, mm-hmm. but if you're making naturally leavened sourdough you've got two or three days before you've got a few mm-hmm. loaves of bread yeah. and like you're all in, you yeah. know? And, um, so when you're talking about croissants, like how many years do you want to shave off your life? Cause I yeah. feel like oh, I lost I a mean, few. Sourdough compared with croissants at home. I do sourdough every weekend. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. There pauses. It's fine. Yep. Throw it in the fridge. You know, no. I mean, it's not easy, No. but compared with trying to laminate croissant dough totally. and get the temperatures right. Like when, whenever I watch the great British baking show and they're like, you have two hours to make 48 <laughs> Volavant. Like, yeah. that's not possible. Yeah. Like, it's not, what are these poor people doing? Yeah. Yeah, so. You have 14 minutes to make a 19 <laughs> layer cake that <laughs> people are going to judge. Yeah. I love Go that nuts. show, though. Actually. It is really good. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't really watched it since the first, I don't know if it was the first season, but uh, it was the one where, um, what was it? it was Mary, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mary was, Berry. Yeah, yeah. Mary, Mary Berry. And she would just like, I just always made fun of her. You know, I was like, it's a lovely sponge or whatever she would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, my God. God. It's like, she's such a, such a sweet lady. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as much as we all agree that mm-hmm. you should not be making croissant <laughs> at home, Sarah O'Brien, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. How Thank are you? Thank you. I'm great. <laughs> I How was going to say, I'm great. I was going to say it's a, it's a nice cloudy morning mm-hmm. in 
Summerhill. Mm-hmm. It's gonna it's gonna get nicer today though, from what I understand. Yeah. Somewhat chilly, but it feels like a nice winter day. And mm-hmm. but dude, stuff's happening all around us. So we're, I was gonna say we're actually to to set the the setting of where we're recording today. We're actually in the the new Little Tart, um, astride, uh, big softy over here in Summerhill. It's great to be here. Oh, this thank cool. you for coming in. Yeah. You're our first uh, guest and podcast, <laughs> and yeah, you're going to get a coffee here, hopefully soon, because caffeine. They're working on it. They're yeah. dialing it in. Seeing we don't a, mess around. Yeah. So. Well, I was going to say, you guys have a pretty killer <laughs> La Marzacco uh, mm-hmm. espresso machine. I see tons of counterculture boxes all mm-hmm. around us. I mean, there's a really great counterculture team here in Atlanta. Oh, they're the best. They're yeah. wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go to church with a few of them. So okay, cool. Yeah, they're just wonderful, wonderful yeah. folks. So yeah, I've, I've never had a coffee that I didn't want more of after the fact from Little Tart. So oh, from, oh, I'm sure it'll be the same here, yes. Krog, and yeah. uh, and also in Grant Park. So anyway, um, I'm really excited to have you on the show. There is tons <laughs> happening in your life right now. Yes. Um, and there, it's not like it's slowed down for you. No, yeah. it seems to be speeding up. <laughs> 2019 is like, yeah, whew, it's a doozy. Gonna Big be a time. Doozy. So I obviously want to, I want to hear a lot about what's, what's happening, what's coming up. There's, I mean, just in this building and the one right next to us, um, it's cool. Like it kind of just feels like one space after you walk me through it. But, um, but there's going to be so much happening for you in 2019. But before we get to that, you get the first inescapable question that all of my guests receive mm-hmm. here on the Atlanta Foodcast, And oh you have to tell me who cooked for you growing up and okay. what kind of cook was he or she oh gosh I was very lucky growing up I had multiple people cooking for me Um, my grandma Sophie uh, had 11 children and um, they were very poor and uh, she was kind of a master of invention and figuring out how to make really delicious food with with not a lot and um, she Sophie and, and my grandpa John lived next door to us. Like literally, the the driveways were a connected U shaped, so I could just run across to them. This is on a farm in rural Ohio, so it was pretty idyllic. Um, and she, as the matriarch of a family of eleven kids, you know, every Sunday, yay, Cortado. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. That's Haley. beautiful. Um, every Sunday, she would just. Uh, for you? No, that's for you. Oh my you goodness! You get the one for this is what? little tart. Oh my this gosh! This is good service. Yeah, I know. Again, I love <laughs> no, this one. I'm just gonna take it from you. That'd be so great. But I love that from the podcast perspective. Like just a beautiful cortado just <laughs> arrives at the table. This is not. We this could, is not normal. Yeah. This is great. Well, I'm, I mean, I would bring a croissant <laughs> over, but your microphones would be like forever covered. Yeah, in that croissant. is the beauty of croissant, though. Yeah. Is like you are now like covered in. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even crumbs. And also the, I get yeah. pictures of my customers. Like they'll uh-huh. send me a picture of their lap from the car and go like, I shouldn't eat a little tart croissant in the car. Yeah. And they're just like covered. And I'm like, yeah, you yeah. need to dust yourself off. Like you wouldn't eat a mission style burrito while you're driving <laughs> no. down the street. Like no, don't eat a croissant. Like, there's really no good way. <laughs> like, I need to hashtag like croissants and cards or something. something we come like up that. with like yeah. a campaign. And, but. and every time we've given our kids croissants, like they don't really get it. Like mm. the best way to, I think you kind of do it in pieces. Like you kind of pick mm-hmm. it apart, but they just no. go, they, they hold it. Yeah. And straight to the middle. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a, I love, I love it's that a that, fun thing to watch. <laughs> no, but th- that's, that to me is the best because that's what makes sense mm-hmm. to a four-year-old. Is like, you. this is clearly the way to eat this. Yeah, it's funny. So. Wally will like look at a ham and cheese croissant and kind of like, he's like inspecting it. Like, how do mm-hmm. I get into this? And then he just smashes the whole thing totally. into it. You know, like, yeah. well, I'm just got to start somewhere. Yeah. So. so surprise. We're actually just going to do about 40 minutes about croissants. 
um, different I, kinds, I can. eating strategies. I can. Yeah. I, I could write a book about croissants. I've yeah. actually thought you about should. it. Croissants, yeah. a love story. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> but, should. You totally should. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so grandma, my grandma Sophie um, would cook these huge meals. Like it was one of those things on Sunday, everybody would just like show up at her house. Like the, there wasn't a scheduled dinner or anything, but everyone, oh, she's making ham and rolls and banana bread and zucchini bread and and pie pie was the thing Mm. um that sophie when i was 10 she brought a rolling pin to the house you know walked across our little driveway and said okay well you're old enough to know how to make apple pie and she i still have the rolling pin taught me how to make her crust which is very different than my crust because she she baked with a lot of crisco because it was cheaper than Mm, butter right um and but you know but she taught but the basic way she taught me to understand crust and what you need to do to your fat and your flour to make a good crust is still still the technique I use and I love crust like I love crust almost almost as much as I love croissants but um so she taught me how to make apple pie and then but I also like I always tell that story and then I think like you know I was also making Bisquick biscuits with my dad when I was like five years old. Like everybody mm. cooked in my family. And even the people who were no longer there, like my grandma Lola, who um, was born in Italy and lived in Italy until she was like, I think 20 and met my grandpa during World War II. She was this legendary cook who I never got to meet, but there were like these stories about the way she would cook for the family and like her gardening, having like kale covered in snow in the Pennsylvania you know, winter like somehow she had rabbits and like suddenly the rabbits would be gone and they would have a really delicious stew and my grandparents would be like I don't know where the pet rabbits are <laughs> you know it took a while for my mom to figure out where the rabbits were going mm. you know so um so like I grew up in a family of of not you know not trained not professional but people who were cooking for each other um so I was really lucky like it was if my my mom was cooking my dad was cooking my grandma was cooking um and it was always done with a lot of joy yeah that's so cool i mean one of my uh one of my favorite things about growing up is you know memories of of being in the kitchen and you know i mean i grew up in florida so we're not even dealing with you know the type of weather we're having today Mm -hmm. except maybe like two days a year uh but coming home and it's cold outside and uh one of my you know my both my parents are chefs and like they were working you know 80 hours a week you know and Mm -hmm. um so like the one day a week or one day a week every other week that my mom would be home and there'd be a half sheet pan of just homemade rolls or there'd Mm -hmm. be bread you know just just bread like to me that was the sign of 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 like being welcomed into the kitchen because mm-hmm. I remember that from Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and but when you have like a family that cooks for one another and it's not it's not really for show it's really more based on utility yeah but like those memories like the food is still like I mean it's simple things mm-hmm. like um, golly like uh, split pea and ham soup like mm-hmm. I still have a deep and abiding affection for split pea and ham soup mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't even really eat ham anymore yeah you know, but <laughs> you're but like that, and i'm a vegetarian <laughs> but that flavor yeah you know it's it's really what it meant for for my mom to cook for me and all of my hungry friends or mm-hmm. whoever else and it had something it was far more than just you know just food you know oh, it, was, yeah. it was way more than that so yeah yeah but it was cool what was it like growing up in ohio oh, i was just thinking when you're talking about food memories that like i was thinking about how i used to eat silver queen corn raw when I was like helping my dad because he farmed but we I always say like it was a hobby farm you know he has a construction company and but we 
we always had stuff growing around us too and they farmed corn and soybeans and for fun seriously like my dad just liked being out there in a in a combine but we would go out and help like you know not really help I was little but like pick the corn and I loved raw corn um which then I was like that's weird right people don't eat raw corn but then I just recently saw like a raw corn salad in a in a six seasons this cookbook I love and I was like sweet okay see I'm not crazy people eat raw corn but um growing up in Ohio a lot of corn uh you know it was it was really a lovely time like my the town that I grew up in makes me a little sad now because it's 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 really suffering from the kind of like midwestern brain drain like it's mm. uh it's on the outskirts of Youngstown it's very rural I know where Youngstown is yeah it's yeah. like 30 minutes from Youngstown I'm always like trying to situate it for people and I'm like well it's like kind of between Youngstown Pittsburgh and Cleveland so mm. I used to like escape to Pittsburgh and be, you know when yeah. I wanted to feel cool and Pittsburgh's a cool town urban yeah. yeah I actually love Pittsburgh but um so it's a now it's like it makes me a little sad because it's like really suffering like the mills that were there closed and like you know but when i grew up there and i think when my like dad grew up there i mean it was like one of the it was such a great place to grow up it was like i grew up on an 80 acre farm i mean my adventures in you know after school were like hiking down the back trail you know just like it spent a ton of time outside like I said, we were always growing things. I mean, I grew up um, in the same house, you know, like for my whole life. Like my parents were building the house that I grew up in when I was born. So I was, I was very, very, very rooted. <laughs> very Just, rooted in that place. You know, stop kicking me under the I know. table. <laughs> very loud in my ears. I accidentally kicked the table. So sorry. No worries. But yeah, so like I never, I didn't know how rare that was until I like left. Like I lived mm. in the same place for 18 years and then I went to college mm. in Rhode Island. And I was like, yes, I lived in the same place forever in the same home, you know. So, um, and I have, I'm the oldest of four so I had, you know, I always had somebody to play with and like, it was really, it was really a lovely place to grow up. Yeah. It's, it's different now, but I think I, you know, my, actually of my four siblings, only one of us still lives there. And the, my sisters oh, wow. are my one sister's in Colorado, one's in Charleston. So we're pretty far flung. And I think that's kind of a microcosm of what has happened to that town. Everybody's kind of like has totally. left, you know, yeah. but you know, it's, it was so interesting. I was not, um, not, I mean, I was a, not too far from there. I mean, it was definitely within like, you know, a few hours drive, but I was in a pretty rural, uh, Pennsylvania right outside of, uh, Lancaster, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania and drove it through Amish country. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it, it's, it's like something out of a, um, it's like something out of like a tourist manual, but it has like the print of like the early 20s mm-hmm. feel to it and somehow it still feels that way mm-hmm. it was incredible and I've, I've and i've been there. to lancaster before but mm-hmm. you know i mean like old downtown lancaster mm-hmm. like there's still like i mean it's a lot like atlanta there's a lot of history and everything yeah. but when you get outside and you are like along the border of mm-hmm. pennsylvania you know like getting more south like closer to like parts of you know um you know edging closer to, like virginia closer yeah, to the West coast virginia yeah too, or the coast yeah. yeah but man it was um it's something else, and it just—it really does take you back to so much of this part of the country was based on like just industry in mm-hmm. general, but like mills and mm-hmm. steel and farmland, and yeah. this is how life was done, mm-hmm. and um, it's just really interesting. You know, because yeah. I mean, I think you can probably get that in parts of Georgia, but it just feels different because you're not in the South. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, it's very different. Um, 
tell me how you got into baking. Oh, let's see. Well, I, I think that once, once I started baking with my grandma, I was like the family baker always. It was like Christmas. I mean, I was weekends. I was baking. I was, I just baked all the time. My mom used to call me like the the phantom baker because I would bake at night after everybody was asleep. And I was really bad about cleaning up after myself. (laughs) True baker though. Yeah. Right. I know. (laughs) So in the morning they'd wake up and like my mom would come out in the kitchen would be trashed. So she would be like a little annoyed, but then there would be like shortbread cookies and she would be like, all right, (laughs) I'll deal with it. You know? So, but I am, I never really thought about doing it professionally. And this is something I've thought a lot about. Like I didn't, I don't even know. I think that I knew it was a thing you could do professionally. Like I didn't have, this probably sounds silly now, right? But I didn't know anyone who was a cook or a baker or owned a restaurant. Like it was just, you know, I grew up in this rural town and like everybody around me cooked, but like it just wasn't a thing. And I think this was also before the kind of like celebrity chef, you know what I mean? So it wasn't a thing where I was like, oh, that's a thing I could do. You know, I was just like, well, this is a thing I'll do at home. And um, that's great. I love doing it. And, you know, so I so I went to college and my junior year I spent studying in Paris. And I um, I just like I just fell in love with France and with Paris. I mean, it's still the place I feel most at home. And uh, it was eye opening in so many ways. And I ate so much food. I mean, it was just my, I would like go to class, but everything in my life was like on the way to class, I get a croissant from this bakery. And then after class, I'm going to go check out Paris is very walkable and it's a, it's a small city really geographically. So, you know, in order to explore a new corner of the city, I would like go to this bakery that was two miles away. And I had, at that point I had earned my tarte of framboise or whatever, you know, so (laughs) I would just like, I just ate my way through Paris and it was like, I think it, that's where it started. I started going like, this is really like, I really love this. Like I want to have this every day. I mean, it really started as I think a lot of people's like passions do. It's like, I want a, a croissant every day. Mm-hmm. So how am I gonna like get it, you know? So then um, I went to grad school and uh, in Iowa <laughs> and- uh, Shout out to Iowa. Yeah, right. Yeah, this I've been to Iowa. It's pretty. Iowa yeah. City is a great place. I was going to say, I've been actually. to Iowa City. I've been to Cedar Rapids. Iowa City is a wonderful, it's a wonderful town. Yeah. Um, but I was definitely like, oh, I'm back in the Midwest. Wait, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up here, you know. So, um, but I went to grad school and same thing. Like I was in school for an MFA and uh, in poetry and had amazing, was surrounded by incredible artists and writers. And I was always the one who showed up at like workshop with like, scones or something you know Mm -hmm. I was just like in these shitty little kitchens in my rental apartments just couldn't (laughs) stop baking you know and had a sourdough I remember I had Nancy Silverton's uh, La Brea Bakery book and was like (laughs) I've baked from that so much man well so her bread book Mm -hmm. she fed her starter three times a day yeah and now I have I have a starter now that I feed like once a day and sometimes I forget like I understand how to take care of it and also kind of like neglect it a little bit but I didn't understand that then so I had this starter it was like a child I would like I would go Mm -hmm. home to feed it three Mm -hmm. times you know I was like I was crazy about the starter it's pretty hilarious but that there's that uh, man it's a story of like 
when they had the uh, when they had the restaurant, they were living upstairs. The kids are like yeah. playing on the stacks yeah. of boxes and. Uh, but like how she treated the starter, it was like it was like her third kid. Yeah, and yeah. She'd go down at night oh, totally. and check on. It. <laughs> but I think yeah. be- between that and then learning how to bake sourdough, and again like having such a deep love for for bread, like that that story is one that's like always in the back of my mind. Like when I, and now I dry my starter, so like I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll just bring it back to now life. Now I just put it. Yeah, I just put it in the fridge for a week, totally. and I'm like, you'll it's be like, fine. I was like, it's you're like, you'll be ready when I'm ready. You know, and I'm seriously. not gonna not gonna you know. <laughs> you will li- not dictate yeah. my life. <laughs> so I'm not living your life, starter. You know, I don't talk to it. Uh, yeah, like, I don't. Like you I don't name it. I know. I, it doesn't have a name. Yeah, but, uh, but it is. Um, yeah, it is funny. It does become a part. It does become a huge part of your it life. Does, it does. Yeah. Um. But I. So like I was just baking, baking, baking. And then I decided I was going back to France. Like I was finding a way to go back to France. And I think still in my brain, I was like, I got to, I got to do this. And I was also like reading a ton of, this is like when, uh, the omnivores dilemma came out. Mm -hmm. Like I was reading everything I could find about Alice Waters. Obviously Anthony Bourdain was already a thing. Like, so like I was just reading and again, like I'm not, I hadn't worked in a restaurant. I had like worked in a cafe in college, but I'm still kind of going like, I want to do this thing but I don't like know how you do it even like what do you do hmm. you know and I uh, didn't really want to go back to school because at this point I'm like had six years of school you know yeah. of post high school schooling so I was like I'm going to France to find somebody who will let me work in their kitchen so I got a teaching assistantship to uh to teach English in Paris to um like m- middle schoolers basically they were like 12 to 14 they were like so much cooler than i will ever be these like 13 <laughs> year old parisians i was right. like stealing style ideas from these kids like will you be my friend yeah it's like oh my god you're so cool um but i i only had to teach like 12 hours a week and it was a way for me to like legally get a you have a year-long position in france yeah, that's awesome and uh and like a you know small amount of pay and like it was just like okay this isn't an easy not an easy way actually but a way to do it so I got the assistantship got a you know was teaching in the in the 11th um arrondissement and started sending out these really heartfelt letters to people that were like you know I'm I am American I I don't have any experience but I want to be a baker can I work for free like I'll wash dishes basically like I get letters like this too now, you know what I mean? <laughs> they always like really hit me uh, like uh, in the heart because I'm like, oh, that was me, right? The, the letter where somebody's like, I don't care. I'll just sweep the floors just so I can be in a bakery, you know? So um, it, it was a little hard actually though to, I probably sent out 20 letters and I finally found a, a couple people who took me on, but um, I didn't know that like there was a pipeline of students com- of students coming from like Japan and the states who like already had connections and people would be like that's very nice but we already have an intern who is like in this program who's kind you know so it, like wasn't as easy as I thought it would be to just show up and be like can I work here so I found um, I found a couple people in my neighborhood a couple bakers who let me come in and I would just like you know go in and, and do whatever and I didn't. You know, sometimes people will say like, Sarah trained in Paris. And I'm like, I, I didn't really train in Paris. I don't, I, I kind of like, I worked, I was there for almost a year and I probably worked a couple days a week in a, in the bakeries and they would let me, like they let me do a lot. And they were also, um, both Monsieur Yev, who I worked for and Patrick, um, they were really complimentary of, they like t- both told me separately that like I had, remember Patrick said, you have good hands for bread. And, huge you know, and I was just like, oh my God, you know, 
and I'm like badly shaping some brioche as he said that. And uh, Monsieur Yev uh, was also like, I, I think you can do this. It was interesting though because I worked with, um, I also worked with a, a young man, Nico, who made the croissants, um, hundreds of croissants at that job. They didn't let me, they let me like shape some croissants and then tease me about how bad they were. But like that's, I kind of did more like the lemon curd and the pound cake and like seriously swept the floors and like did whatever, but buttered the tart rings kind of thing. But Nico was like, why would you want to be a baker? Because at that point I was saying like, I want to open a bakery or I want to open a tea shop or I want to open a coffee shop, whatever. And he was like, why would you want to do that? Like he worked from like 3 a.m. to... 1 p.m. and like you know it was a very I, I got to see where like in France sometimes like baking is is there are a lot of bakers there doing it for love but it's also like a trade that like he was like I interned in this and after high school and this is what I'm doing but like you know and I was but I was but I also I was like kind of saw what it took to do it and still wanted to do it you know what I mean so yeah. it was a good experience that was a really long answer to like no it's brilliant though. I'm like wait what was the question <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so I got back to Atlanta and well that's a much longer story I, I had to leave Paris I was like my assistantship is up I wanted to stay so bad but there were all these things going on including like my dog was living with my sister in Canada because I couldn't bring my dog to my dog Mochi to <laughs> Paris and I really missed Mochi and uh I, I was like, I got to go back to the States. Like I wanted to stay in Paris. I had this whole plan B where I like opened an American style bakery in Paris, which I think would have really done well, you mm. know, like that was before this is kind of happening now, but like that nobody was really making like cookies and like, I was, mm. I think I could have, I think I could have made, made it work, but mm -hmm. I had to come back to the States, didn't know where I was going to go, wanted to find somewhere um, with better weather than I had lived uh, through in Ohio, Iowa, and Providence, Rhode Island. So basically, <laughs> the North, uh, East, and Midwest were were not options. And um, my best friends lived in Atlanta. They still do. And um, they were, well, my best friend Katie works at the CDC, and her husband works at Emory. Um, they both got their uh, masters and PhDs here. They're brilliant. And they, I kept visiting them in um, Atlanta, like over years, years and years, because they were here for like, I think they were here for like five years before I moved here, maybe longer. And the first time I visited them, they lived up by Piedmont Park and they didn't really know the city well. And I remember just being like, where, like, what is this place? Like, I didn't understand it. And they didn't understand it yet either. And I was just kind of like, okay, whatever, Atlanta. Then the next time I visited them, they had moved into Cabbage Town. They had, oh, wow. this is when Cabbage Town, you could have a like duplex for like $800. And you know, right. like, the days are long gone. You could buy it for $800. Yeah, you could buy it for $800. Yeah. You know, we, we, so. we bought this outright for $800. <laughs> and I remember I visited them and they were in this adorable house that they lived in for years in Cabbage Town. And they had, they were like, Katie was like growing thyme in the yard and they had a, a dog, Rainier, running, frolicking and you could like see the city skyline and their rent was $800. And I was like, okay, wait, hold on. What's happening now, you know? Yeah. So, and then that was like right around the time too when, um, when, oh gosh, right before I moved here, like H&F, um, uh, opened yeah. you know like it was this yeah. moment when I started like visiting them and going like wait okay this place is really cool and it's also super affordable I actually remember so clearly 
There's a lot going there's on a in lot the background. Of, there's a lot of drilling. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this place is still under construction. But, totally. Um, like, I remember visiting Atlanta, like, right after San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Should I wait till he stops drilling? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's, I'm like, if it doesn't bother you. Um, like, I visited... I think I went from San Francisco to Atlanta and Mm -hmm. I remember like looking at a rent, like a for rent sign in San Francisco. And it was like for $2,000, you can have this closet. And I was like, and I love San Francisco so much. And I still do because I had this moment where I was like, maybe I'll move to the Bay area. And I remember seeing that and being like, Oh, I don't, I don't think I could do this. And then coming to Atlanta and the, just it was just the polar opposite of of that and being like oh I think I could move here and I think I could find somewhere to live like I think I had some savings I was like I think I could buy a house which to me was this huge uh, being someone who lived in the same place for 18 years I think it was in my head that like this step in a in adulthood and being rooted I'd also like lived all over between moving to Atlanta like Iowa South Africa Spain France it was like time to settle down with my dog and like plant a garden and get some chickens, which I did promptly. Um, (laughs) So I also, I think in the back of my head, I was like, I think Atlanta, I think I could open something in Atlanta because the real estate is like, like the rent's not bad. And my Katie and Luke, my best friends were like, they just kept whispering in my ear. They were like, Atlanta doesn't have a bakery. Like really, you know, and it didn't, I mean, it was a lawns and H and F had just opened Mm -hmm. and that was it. And like, I kept looking at this city of, millions of people and going yeah. like where are the bakeries mm-hmm. so i moved here and opened one yeah That's what year a, was this this is uh 2009 i moved here sorry mm-hmm. i moved here uh, i got a job at the cdc through my best friend katie who was like do you want a job actually i think i read that <laughs> yeah, somewhere that like, you actually sure. worked, I worked like, at the cdc was hilarious <laughs> it's like sarah nominated for a james beard award like she also worked at the cdc oh my don't, god don't, don't miss what? that i'm so glad i worked at the cdc because like I, I just like so many people in Atlanta work at the CDC and I worked there for almost a year. And so I have this like weird window into like a world that I never would have had any experience with. But Katie was like, listen, we we're going to it was like right after H1N1 that whatever flu that was. Oh, yeah. Right. Big deal. Yeah. Big deal. They had a, they had a bunch of money and they were like, well, we're going to create a position because we need to plan. We're going to plan meetings all over the world with this H1N1 money and we're going to create this position. And Katie was like, I know someone who would be great for this job. And she called me, I think I was living in like Canada or something. Cause I, that's a long story too, but I was working at a fishing lodge. Um, but it's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but she was like, do you want a job? And I was like, yes, I want a job. And then I'm, I'm on this interview, um, with, I think it was with Ann Moen who hired me and who was amazing. And she's like describing the position and I'm just, I'm going like, yes, I'm, I've lived all over the world. I'm very resourceful. I can plan meetings, blah, blah, blah. Like I just kind of was like, I don't know what's happening, but I got the job. So my, I moved to Atlanta, I started working at the CDC immediately. And I'm like, my first job is to plan a meeting in Cairo that I then go to and stay in the nicest hotel. I was like, I traveled a ton I was always like backpacking and staying in like the cheapest hostel, carrying everything <laughs> I owned on my back. And like I get to Cairo and like they pull up to the Hilton and I'm like, what is happening? And then I'm like, look at this beautiful river. Oh my God, it's the Nile River. 
<laughs> like what is happening? So um, I that was really cool. And the really cool thing about that job, and the, I will always be grateful to Ann Moen, is I my boss is I was like, hi, I, here I am. I'm going to do a really good job. Um, but I want to open a bakery. So just so you know, like, and she was like, well, you know, great. I, we need you for maybe a year. Like that's all the contract was. And so I did the job, but then I immediately started trying to figure out how to work, like find a kitchen or work in a shared kitchen. And mm. what would I need to do to start at farmer's markets? This is before the Grant Park farmer's market even existed. So yeah. markets like I just I got really lucky like the 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 moment was like the markets were happening and I was applying yeah. and there weren't very many bakers it was just like at this point it probably was only Peachtree right Peachtree which I took me a couple years to get into but I mm-hmm. like Lauren Carey who ran it is like now a good friend but I think I annoyed the hell out of her because I would just send these letters about how you know I was like um I don't know. I don't think there were bakeries at the time that were doing what I was doing, not in Atlanta where I was like, I'm using local everything. I mean, I was using local dairy, local butter, local eggs, local veggies, fruit, meat, cheese, everything I could get. And um, I was like, you know, this this peach tree is still an incredible market. But back Mm -hmm. then it was like, this is where, I mean, the best farmers, best everything. I was like, I need to be at this market. So she uh, kind of had her eye on me. And when there was an opening, I finally got in but after many emails uh explaining why i was the perfect baker for peachtree road but i got into emory farmer's market before this east lake farmer's market had just started um and then i was trying to get into east atlanta which i did eventually but like i kind of orbited around that world and got into as many as i could and then I was established enough when Grant Park started that I was one of the first mm-hmm. people in there. And, yeah. like, we still do Grant Park Market, which, like, might seem weird to people because our bakery is, like, half a mile up the street. But it's amazing because, like, we – I just – that market feels – like, that's how we got started. Yeah. And that's what gave us our – like, Grant Park got to know Little Tart that way. And, yeah. like, I'll never stop doing that market. You know? But, you know, like, I make, I make the argument to people I um, – I – I'm a firm believer and I perpetuate this idea that if there's great pizza right here, there can be great pizza 30 steps from here as well. Both places are going to be busy. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe that because I think, (laughs) you know, I mean, I I think you can kind of throw that model into just about any, any style of cuisine, any, Mm -hmm. um, you know, savory, sweet coffee, whatever, you know? And I think if it's done well and there's enough, uh, I mean, I think attachment to, to the story behind what's happening, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but you guys being at octane over in grant park and Mm -hmm. literally, I mean, if you threw a baseball hard enough, it'll probably roll down. It'll roll down. It's downhill. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll hit a speed bump or two, but (laughs) like you could literally like throw it close enough to the, to where Mm -hmm. the market's actually happening. Um, but you know, it's, it is really funny, um, you know, that, that it's that close, but people would probably find you at the farmer's market maybe before they'd even know that you were actually inside of Octane. Yeah. And, uh, it's so funny. You say, I always say if, if you bake it, they will come. Mm -hmm. That's my field of dreams uh, reference. But Uh, the thing for me was the (laughs) strawberry galette, uh, years ago. Yeah. And, oh, that galette. Yeah. And it was before you guys had right before you guys had opened at Krog. Mm-hmm. So this was 20, I don't know, 2014, right? Yeah, 2013, we opened. Yeah, we're four years old at Krog now. Yeah. Jeez. So, I mean, that was the first thing that I had, you know, maybe within the first year that we lived here in Atlanta. And um, and I was like, I've never had something. I mean, it was it was just insanely 
just floral like i yeah. mean like exploding with straw like uh, strawberries shouldn't be able to taste like that but mm-hmm. they did mm-hmm. and um i remember taking a photo of it and i remember posting it on um i think it was just on instagram and i was like why is everybody going nuts for this it was just beautiful yeah. and um but that really stuck with me as like i like and i think i got to know you honestly mm. i mean i think i'd gone to um man probably when you guys were at Freedom Farmers Market, like mm-hmm. first couple yeah. times when they opened that. I and love then, that market. Yeah, Grant Park. And then, um, but long before I, I visited you guys at like a brick and mortar. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's, the markets are interesting. Like we, I, I they are uh, essential to our business. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people were like, God, aren't you, you've got these brick and mortars now. Like, aren't you excited to get out of the markets? And I'm like, no, like those are even <laughs> Grant Park. Like I'm saying, like you said, you could probably throw a baseball and hit the two. Like, some of our customers on Sunday come to both. Like mm-hmm. they'll come to the shop and get a coffee mm-hmm. and like a little snack that they're going to take to walk down to the market and then they get more stuff. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's just like the markets are where I started. I, that they're one of my favorite things to do is go to the market with my family. Like, you know, Wally's yeah. grown up going to the market every Sunday since he was like, I think the first place he went besides the bakery when he was like two weeks old was the farmer's market. Like, mm-hmm. so, and Peachtree because we don't have a store anywhere near Buckhead, like those customers wait for us like all winter. And I still go up and do that market because that is still our busiest three hours of the week and our longest line. And like I, that line every week, like reminds me that like we're doing something right. Like it's important to me to see it because I am such a perfectionist and I'm, I just get so in my head about like if we're, what we're doing can we do it better and this and like but when i go to peachtree and at 8 30 there's like a line of 30 people we had a guy who started bringing a chair so he was like first in line and he would just sit there kind of like tailgating right you know <laughs> little tart <laughs> and i was like it's really it means a lot to me to see it so yeah the markets are yeah i love them but yeah so so you guys are i mean hustling doing mm-hmm. so i mean you you start this as a little tart mm-hmm. and uh, and then comes along Octane mm-hmm. and then more farmer's markets mm-hmm. and then Krog. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when Krog opened, it seemed like Spunkers. the wild west still. Yeah. I mean, cause it was, it was so different. I mean, a lot of, a lot of restaurants and a lot of other like stalls have changed out. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, like my, my wife and I talk about like, do you remember when there was like open stalls and there were tables mm-hmm. where you could sit and now you can get where that was. Like now there's like, you can get a bowl of pho. Dude, people were sitting on the floor. Do you remember when oh, like we did how that? busy yeah. it was oh, when we, so it was, Krog was, mass, it was insane. I think, so we opened Krog November 17th. So it was basically the week of Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which for a baker is not a good time to open a <laughs> store. But I mean, I worked like three 20 hour days in Ugh. a row. Like I don't, I mean, it was, it was madness, but um, but Krog, because like Ponce wasn't open yet. So you have to think back to like, there are no food halls in Atlanta right. and that very busy, pretty affluent area was like underserved right there. Like we opened Krog the first day, like there are lines. I mean, Fred's line is like, oh, you know, three stalls down. We're time. like, I mean, we were just slammed and it, that didn't stop for many months. But I remember walking through Krog and like you're saying, it was like the wild west, like there weren't enough chairs. Like people oh, were like sitting on right. the floor Nobody having a picnic. No, no, no I mean, one knew what to do. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I'm really glad that we are in Krog. Like I, I love it. It's uh, I love Pond City Market and so many other businesses there. But like people always compare the two, and Krog's like a little scrappier and a little more intimate. Yeah, and like, you know. I, I mean, I, I think I, 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 um, I, 
I, I carry both flags. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I, I love both. There's, but yeah, there's but, room for both. Yeah, like I think when when people like they're not from Atlanta or they're visiting or they're moving here, they're like, oh, which one do you like more? And like, uh, both equally, but they're just totally. Di- I mean, it's it's like, do you want to shop? at the do you want to go to Madewell and buy some jeans and then I always tell people to come to Krog and get something and then walk to Ponce totally do both because it's we do that yeah you know and I but I I do agree I think it's it's got like this um it's it's I think it's probably a little bit more aware of it's uh it's it's definitely like a food hall Mm -hmm. but it's it's just a little bit different. And I love that you can do like the full circuit around. And um, I mean, we we live on the Beltline, so and I think I've told you this. I mean, like three or four times a mm-hmm. week, like we walk from our place in the Highlands to Grog, mm-hmm. and the only thing that we get is a latte for my wife, iced coffee for me, and a well now it's been a cranberry buckle for my kids. <laughs> yeah, and which is just like the most badass like cranberry muffin you've ever had <laughs> right. um but like that and that's what we do and we mm-hmm. stay there we and I, I might stay there and work mm-hmm. and then walk back up the belt line mm-hmm. maybe stop at the park but like yeah. that's the thing that we do now and now we'll do that again on friday night and we'll come down for dinner mm-hmm. we'll get dumplings we'll get, City, like yeah, we'll a get a beer, beer. Yeah. and like but that's what we but i think you use mm-hmm. crog in a different way mm-hmm. you know what i mean i don't oh, know yeah. if that makes sense to anybody it, else but no it, it completely does to me i remember yeah. when i was in there and i like one of the first you know weekend nights and i was like, oh my God, the parents in here are so excited. You've got like parents whose kids were like, yeah, they're eating a buckle or a cookie yep. and they're drinking a pint of beer. And mm-hmm. you can just tell that they're like, oh, thank God there's somewhere I can right. go with my kids and we can walk there. And like, you know, so totally. I definitely like when Krog was opening, you know, it, it was pretty close to Grant Park. Like people were like, is this going to cannibalize your business? But it's just like you said, I was like, I love that word. No. First of all, that's gross. Like, let's, what are you saying? But no, there I'm like, it, I think there's room for both. And also, like, I was so excited about anything in Atlanta being walkable, mm-hmm. you know, that I was like, sign me up. Like, I want to mm-hmm. be a part of this. So I'm really glad. Krog's been really, really great for us. And also where we got to do coffee. Yeah. Um, when I opened at the Jane, I didn't know anything about coffee except that I liked it. And <laughs> that, but I was like, I'm opening a bakery and I had basically have zero experience in commercial kitchens and was really winging it. So when the opportunity um, arose for me to kind of partner with Octane and we're, you know, that space has always confused people, but we have we had separate leases as two businesses just sharing one space. And um, when that opportunity came up, I was like, they're, they're making the best coffee in town. Like, mm-hmm. let me, like, I want people to have a perfect croissant and a perfect cappuccino. And that's what I want to have every day. So this is great. But then when, once we got to Krog, which was like three years later, I felt like I, I had like learned a lot by osmosis, like just like watching the coffee shop. I mean, yeah. Octane was incredible. And watching that coffee shop run, I was like, I can do this. Like, and then... Yeah. Octane was our wholesaler. They trained us. Um, I mean, it was a really great, like, Krog was a really awesome kind of organic um, experience for us in terms of growth. And then Summerhill, the thing I keep saying is, like, I don't think that we get a ton of uh, attention at Krog for how good our coffee is. And I think mm-hmm. it's like. Well, and, you guys, and you guys are coffee. We're coffee at, at Krog. Krog, right? Yeah, you are coffee. But, like, whenever the, like, you know, Eater's Best Cafes in Atlanta comes out. <laughs> There's like, or Eater's Best Coffee Shops. Krog's never on there. And I'm always going, yeah. I'm kind of like, this is weird because like most of my baristas have worked for me for like four years. Like they're making 
banging coffee and mm-hmm. we're using counterculture it's delicious it's mm-hmm. like i mean that that cortado we just had was wonderful you yeah know? i drink six more of those <laughs> but i probably shouldn't so i'm always like I, i've been kind of puzzled by it and then i'm like well you know Krog is a food hall it doesn't really feel like a coffee shop because you're i mean it does but you're like in this food hall and like we're uh, also people think of us as a bakery first so like we've talked a lot about that with the staff because like my, my baristas are really proud of what they're doing as yeah. am i and I'm hoping, I keep telling them, I'm like, Summer Hill's gonna be different. Like, it's the first time people get to see us in our own space. Like, this is monumental for us. We have our own front door. We get to pick the music. We have to clean the bathrooms. Everything that goes along with, like, it's, it's interesting. I've been in business for eight years, and this is kind of my first real, true brick and mortar yeah. that's mine. But so what an amazing evolution. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we've already covered so much of your story, but, you know, of of learning how to bake, spending time in Paris, you start with, I mean, what you wanted to eat is what you're creating. You're mm-hmm. selling that at farmer's markets, and then you have a partnership where you're sharing a space. and Which then, no one was doing. Right. I mean, that was oh, like... Oh, no, no. I, I, it took me know. a while to figure it out, <laughs> honestly. Right. Until, until I went there, well, until I went there, could finally find a parking space. <laughs> Good luck so, with that. Sorry, yeah. that, that's me lobbing up a complaint. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to find a parking space over there. <laughs> sorry. Where I'm not like... Um, you know, it gets to like fisticuffs. Oh with God, that parking lot. Don't even try. Yeah, Just like, I live in Atlanta. <laughs> you don't. I deserve to park here. But, mm. um, but then, you know, you, and then Krog mm. and now it's, um, like your own space. Mm. And I mean, I'm staring at the, you know, the, the tile welcome mat no. of little tart and then mm. right next door, big softy. Like that's, that's a huge achievement. I mean, like, and talk about, you know, with everything just being such a feather in your cap, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's really fun. You know, and especially I, I've seen so much of, of your story kind of unfold, like mm-hmm. not not the early days, yeah. but, you know, of of being able to experience, you know, this is this is the only place that I know Little Tart to be. And mm-hmm. then like I see it opening in Krog. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. And then hearing this news, I'm like, dude, like <laughs> that's so exciting. And um, so it's uh, it's it's really cool to. I mean, I think when you when you look at your full story, like as it's coming to be right now, mm-hmm. um, it's not just achievement, but I think it's also like now you guys are getting to the point where it's it's so much more about like culture and culture and identity, mm-hmm. and that's what this is really going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like full on little tart. Yeah, so. it is, and that is like I mean, walking into this space is it's a it's a big deal for me. You mm-hmm. know, it's um, it just feels really good. It's really beautiful, and it's also. This is what I always wanted. I mean, we're sitting in this beautiful old brick building where you can see the layers of here's here it was brick and then somebody tried to plaster it and then somebody tried to paint it and yeah. like the layers are there and Atlanta doesn't have a ton of spaces like this, you right. know? And when I saw these buildings, I mean, I've been driving past these buildings since I moved here 9 years ago, you know, and like Yeah. I'm going like why are there no businesses in these buildings? Like this is an incredible little commercial strip in a city that doesn't have a ton of commercial strips like this. And so when uh, when I heard that Carter bought them, I was like, "What's what's happening down there? Like, I want to see the buildings." And as soon as I s- saw them, I was like, "I want to be down here, yeah. you know, and I want to open an ice cream shop." Totally. <laughs> well, and look what's happening around you. I mean, like you know, just friends on friends on friends, friends. on friends on friends. It's and awesome. I mean, you're going to be able to, you know, in the morning. <laughs> morning, noon, and night, <laughs> come grab uh, a cortado or a cappuccino or coffee, croissant, a cookie, 
get some soft serve and then, <laughs> you know, go eat dinner over at Talat Market mm-hmm. and Rod and Parnas are going to mm. make you the best food you've ever had. Or you can go to Little Bear yeah. and Jared Steber and his team are going to make you mm-hmm. something incredible, uh, which I mean, I just can't wait to see what that oh, menu is going to be yeah, like. It's going to be amazing. But but this is this is going to become, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've kind of like joked around about people. I was like, don't don't stop paying attention to, to Summerhill, like right right mm-hmm. next to Grant Park there's going to be so much happening here that mm-hmm. it's um i mean you're you're going to want to consider moving here yeah, you know, or close what, to that's what i was just talking yeah. to somebody in the neighborhood and they're like buy a house in summerhill now you totally know? but um but yeah i mean i really uh credit the the landlords who have been wonderful with like being very thoughtful about who they're putting down here like there's yeah there's a lot going on in Atlanta where I feel like it's just like fill, just fill it, fill it, put people in. And mm-hmm. they've been super deliberate here uh, talking to the community and talking to operators who are from Atlanta. And like, you know, so um, knowing that I'm going to be down here with like, you know, uh, with the team from the General Muir and Fred Zanyalas, who are great friends yeah. from Krog and know that they're going to whatever they do, they're going to knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Like, but also know that Jarrett finally gets his own space with Little Bear. And, like, I've been eating Jarrett's food since, like, the Candler yeah. Park Market days when I was, you know, we would go at, get, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I used to actually go. So when Jarrett was at Candler Park Market and then um, uh, Alan was at Gato, Paul and I would go and get, <laughs> we would go to both. We would go get food from right. Jarrett and then get a bottle of wine and go have um, Alan's food at Gato and it was just like magical yeah. so I'm super excited that yeah. Jared's got a spot and down it's here. Just such a cool part of his story too because like this is you know a dream of his and mm-hmm. it's happening here you yeah. know for like the first first go but um, but tell me a little bit more about this space because it's if you, if you haven't seen photos or if you haven't um, and by I think you know the time that we're actually you know getting this episode live you know you're going to be open here at Little Tart yeah. I imagine Soon. And, um, yeah, <laughs> like next week. So yeah. yeah, we'll be open. Yeah. And, um, so little tart and then right next door is big softy. Mm-hmm. So you're doing uh, soft serve there. But so, um, so here in the little tarts on little tart side, so pretty much same thing as, as Krog and Octane. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like, so, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to do, uh, we're going to start out with our full pastry case and, um, like, and like I said, I'm sorry. I don't know what's happening over there right now. Um, we're going to start out with a full pastry case. We can do, like you saw the kitchen, we can do a lot of production here. The thing with me is, like, I've never wanted to bake a bunch of stuff at the Jane at Grand Park and, like, drive it over. We bake everything fresh at each location. So mm-hmm. that's why when you walk in here next week, it will smell like that amazing bakery smell that's, like, yeast and butter and, like, you know. Um, so we'll do... Uh, Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening yeah. right now. So, it just sounds like someone is scraping the floor. Oh, they're pulling ice out of the... So we're getting our soda little fountain set up. But oh, I'm really yeah, excited yeah, yeah, yeah. that we can b- give people a little shot of bubbly water like with their espresso. Yes. But they're draining the ice. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so ambiance. <laughs> yes. um, Talk about ambiance. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll do brunch here, which I'm really excited. Wow. Um, now, brunch will be like... I don't know if you've ever had brunch at Little Tart at the Jane. Obviously, we have like... We have some challenges up there because you've got two registers, two businesses. Like, it doesn't... It's yeah. like kind of hard to just go in there and be like, we're going to have, we're going to brunch it up. Like it, so down here, um, I think it'll feel a little more fluid, but we'll have our French toast that we make with our croissant dough. It's delicious. Um, nice. our cheddar waffles that we've been doing since like the beginning, cause they're wonderful. And, um, you know, really like a curated 
brunch menu. Um, and we'll eventually get into doing lunch down here too, but I'm going to kind of wait till the other places open, mm. you know? Um, yeah. I feel like I'm really hoping people use this place in the meantime, like we're going to be the first place open, but I, I think a cafe, like I think we'll be fine down here. I think, uh, mm-hmm. I hope people come by on their way to into work and grab a cup of coffee and a croissant oh, and, you know, people will so. divert. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's just a hop, skip and a jump from, from Decatur or uh, yeah. to cab. So yeah. I, I think it's going to be worth the, worth the, worth a little jaunt but um but yeah and then so talk to me about big softy which again um already coolest name <laughs> that <laughs> little tart <and laughs> big softy right totally so um it's uh it's just too cool but, but tell me tell me about it like what's the vision like once so you guys actually get open i love soft serve ice cream so much like i grew up on dairy queen my uh shout out to dq right man. oh dairy my god dairy queen amazing. so i I grew up a mile down the street from Dairy Queen. My, my dad owned the, he, like his construction company was in the same little um, kind of strip mall. He owned the Dairy Queen building. My aunt and uncle had the lease on it. So like we would go after school, like they, had, they ran it. So we'd go after school and I'd be like, I would like a crunch coat blizzard, which for those of you who don't know what crunch coat is, we're gonna make some a big softy. It's like a magical peanut brittle sprinkle concoction that's like one of my favorite things in the world and oh, it's uh, super badass um can't find it down here i'll go to dq every so often to be like and i would like crunch coat they don't know what i'm talking about it's yeah. like a northern thing but yeah um so you know i would go and be like and i would like extra crunch coat and they'd like let me go behind the counter and put my crunch coat on my grandma <laughs> sophie would go in and like make the dilly bars to help oh, my wow. aunt and uncle out so um, DQ was like, that was the treat on Friday, had a good week at school. We would pull in there and get, you know, so I just, I love ice cream, but something about soft serve for me has always been like, it's been my favorite. And, um, I don't know, this is a thing that's happening around, uh, the country. Like it's, it's one of those things where you think you're like, have the most brilliant idea and then you that nobody else has had. And then you like open up Bon Appetit and it's got like 10 people who are doing soft serve and you're like, okay, well, apparently this is in the air, you know, but it's definitely a thing that's happening where, um, you know, it's a nostalgic thing that I think that mostly is just made with commercial mixes that are full of stabilizers and evaporated milk and like all that stuff. And which is fine. And that, that has a place, but then you look at it and go like, Oh, I can I can make this like with like we get our dairy from Southern Swiss and it is delicious. Like I have had kids get a cup of milk at Krog and then drink the whole thing and tell their parents they want another one. And their parents are like, "Where is this milk from? Because it's so <laughs> good, you know." So I'm like, "Okay, we get this dairy from Southern Swiss. It is delicious. It is local, and like I can do organic cane sugar and this milk and like and this cream and." really great vanilla and like I can make the soft serve that I remember from Dairy Queen but make it taste like a hundred times better and also it's gonna be better for you you know what I mean um not have as much junk in it because my thing is like I just don't like artificial anything I think there's a way to do it you know um without so started thinking on that and I remember saying to Paul like I think I want to open an soft serve ice cream shop like just kind of like you know I have I have a bakery and we would make the most incredible toppings like can you imagine having like double chocolate cookie crumbs on top of your ice cream you know just kind of like yeah running through all that stuff and then I took the idea so this is right around the time that Summerhill is like they're starting to lease and I'm going like okay 
me and they're talking about barbecue and pizza all the stuff they want to go down here and i'm going like okay soft serve like that that could work there and i started taking the idea to my bakers and my friends but my bakers specifically every single one of them was like oh my god ice cream like yes because ice cream is such an amazing flavor conductor you know mm -hmm. that yeah it'll be a really fun thing for us to play around with too you know like yeah. so um and i also honestly running a bakery which i'm convinced is one of the hardest things to do successfully and uh, the margins are probably the lowest in the food industry knowing that i can do that and like somehow make it and make a good croissant has made me feel like i can figure out most things so soft serve i was like we can do this like we we do croissants we can do soft serve so <laughs> we're gonna um we're gonna open big softy in the in the spring which you know i didn't want to open them both at the same time i want to like get the cafe on rails and um and then open like i'm gonna spend the next couple months once the cafe is open just doing nothing but testing the flavors over i mean we've we've tested <laughs> we tested the <laughs> vanilla at um at the Grand Park shop and it was just like, it was really fun to like make ice cream cones for everybody and just see their faces yeah. light up. Like it's such a joyful, like soft serve so immediate. It's well, like, it's totally different you know? too. I mean, you go to a scoop shop and I mean, you got all of the flavors right there. Like, let me try this one and try mm -hmm. this one and try this one. It's like, we have four flavors right now yeah. because we have two taps on two machines yeah. and you can get you one can twist them or, if you want. Yeah, yeah. you <laughs> can get one or two or swirl or <laughs> go to the other machine, yeah. same thing. But yeah. It is, it, 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 you, you commit to it a little mm -hmm. bit more. And I think that's probably what was so, um, there was so much affinity for um, uh, for frozen yogurt mm -hmm. a few years ago. Yeah. Or few, I say a few years ago, 2009, 2008, yeah. 2009. And um, I, I think people were so committed to like, I know that I'm either going to get plain, which is just like Greek yogurt basically, mm -hmm. or they have passion fruit yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. But I like them swirled and then I get, you know, granola yeah. and coconut or whatever, you know, goofy shit people were putting on their frozen <laughs> yogurt. But, but there's something that, that, just in that, um, just in that presentation, mm -hmm. that swirl, you mm -hmm. know, cause like, uh, I mean, you know, uh, the big, gay, big gay ice cream, oh, truck, yeah, yeah. those guys like <laughs> that to me, like that was the, the most like fun ice cream cone I think I've ever had. Yeah. Like getting it handed to me out of a truck, mm -hmm. you know, it reminds me of just, you know, you would see that in like sitcoms. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's from the truck and like, this is the way that we make ice cream. And yeah. but there's something really special about like a twisty cone of, the that is to be enjoyed immediately. Yes. And I think that does like, without even realizing it, that's my affinity is for something that like, I'm mm -hmm. gonna, that you need to eat this right now. Like yep. I want you to come have a croissant like 30 minutes after it's come out of the oven. Like I don't, and that's why with our pastry, I think people are always like, oh my God, this is so good. Why is it so good? And I'm like, it's fresh. Yep. Like we don't sell stuff that's not fresh, you know? Right. And I think people are not used to that, you mm -hmm. know? Cause a lot of stuff gets kind of like, eh, that's fine. This will be fine. And yep. we don't do fine, you know, at Little Tart. So um, I think I, that's just for me, it's like, or your Cortado, like you need to drink this right now. Like I made this thing for you with a heart on it and it's beautiful and perfect and enjoy it. And like, my husband and I talk about that a lot because he's a, you know, he owns Ticonderoga Club, but he's started out as a bartender and it's the same kind of ceremonial pause. Like you're yep. supposed to drink this cocktail right now. Like yeah. you're not taking it to, you shouldn't be taking it to go because that's illegal. <laughs> that's but, like, weird. <laughs> but like, you're supposed to, I, I don't know, I just, I love, um, I don't know, my, my a, a friend slash regular Andre said to me the other day, he's like, you are providing an affordable luxury. And I was like, thank you, Andre. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's a $3 moment in your day where I hope you can just kind of 
chill it out and enjoy the thing in front of you. It's very French, very like quality over quantity. And like, you know, so I think soft serve actually is the same, you know, it's not going to be expensive. It's not going to be, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a treat. And I hope that, you know, you got to eat it right away or it's going to melt all over you. So I really, I'm, I'm really excited for that. And it's also like this young and old thing, right? Like I've never seen anybody turn their nose up at a, Soft serve they ice cream cone. Also, I got a shout out to all my vegan friends. We're gonna have vegan soft serve, which I'm really Holy excited shit. about because it's listen, huge. I'm gonna figure it out. It's gonna be hard, but I have a lot of friends and and um, employees who are vegan or plant based or or gluten free, and like there are things that I can't like. I there's very little that's vegan in the bakery, and there's very little that's gluten free. So knowing that I can. Uh, serve that population in Atlanta and be like, yeah, this is a coconut based, you know, soft yeah. serve. Like I'm really excited. That's going to be, be awesome. That. Also, uh, shout out to your husband, Paul. He's, uh, he's pretty great. Yeah. And I know that he's <laughs> listening to this, so can't wait to have you on the show and talk about Ticonderoga, Paul. It's going to uh, happen. Yeah. You should have, uh, you do. should have all of them, the, um, oh, yeah. Tycon folks that'd be yeah. really fun to it'll, talk to. <laughs> it'll definitely, it'll definitely happen. So, um, there is so much happening in mm-hmm. your life and that has happened. Mm-hmm. That's super exciting. Um, always worthy of celebrating. And it is such an honor to have you on the show. <laughs> Aw, shucks. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So little tart happening very soon. Mm-hmm. And then check it out in the spring once mm-hmm. big softies open. And, um, but I'll remind you, yeah. I'll be like, you need to tell everybody so big softies yeah. open now. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll, we'll be, we'll, we'll be putting this on the megaphone side for <laughs> sure. But Sarah O'Brien, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, what Sarah and her team do for Atlanta on a daily basis, it is so much more than just a bakery, folks. And so many thanks go out to her for joining me for an interview. And if you have yet to visit Little Tart over at Krog, Grant Park, the Freedom Farmers Market, Grant Park Farmers Market, or the most recently open location in Summerhill, get there this week and get yourself a croissant. And for that matter, everything else that you can possibly get your hands on, you won't be sorry. And definitely follow these guys on Instagram at at Little Tart Bake Shop and visit their website at littletartatl.com. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz. And if you like what you hear, you can support us right now on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry. <laughs>